0: Good afternoon. It's Monday, the 29th of August, 2022. It is six minutes past one. Apologies, a little bit of a technical problem there, but uh, we're delighted to join you today for UK Column News. Your host, Mike Robinson, myself, Brian Gerrish. And we're joined by David Scott, bringing us Northern Exposure from north of the border and uh, Katie Jo Murfin. Um, Well, uh, the MHRA
1: has uh, released some updates on vaccines, Brian, so here's uh, the little graphic that pushed out on Twitter this morning. Uh, And uh, so what are they saying? Well, uh, what are they calling it? Uh, New Vaxavid uh, is the COVID-19 vaccine uh, developed by Novavax. and It has been granted an extension to existing uh, UK approval for 12 to 17-year-olds. And this extension has been authorized by the MHRA. Uh, And that approval follows a review of the safety, quality and effectiveness of the vaccine in this age group and uh, expert advice from the government's independent scientific advisory body, the Commission on uh, Human Medicine. So uh, here's uh, the lovely June Rain, uh, who said, following our review of the safety, quality and effectiveness of uh, uh, new, uh, new Vaxavid, uh, to in 12 to 17 year olds, I am pleased to confirm that the vaccine has now been authorized for this age group. Uh, and uh, in reaching this decision, we've taken advice from the government's independent scientific advisory body, the Commission on Human
0: Medicines. I'm fascinated that she's brought that body in now. This is deflecting. That's think, what it looks what like, she's yes. doing Yes. Uh, and another vaccine news, uh,
1: Moderna has decided that it wants to sue Pfizer and BioNTech for uh, infringing patents central to Moderna's innovative mRNA technology platform, uh, according to their news release, that you can see on screen at the mo- at the moment. Let's see what they had to say. Uh, they said that complaints will be filed with both United States and sorry in both United States and Germany, alleging that Pfizer and BioNTech's COVID-19 vaccine uh, what carminer uh, I can never
0: know Kerminati. how to yes yes
1: how to pronounce it uh, unlawfully infringes patents Moderna filed between 2010 and 2016. They're not seeking a removal of uh, the Pfizer vaccine from the market or an injunction against future sales. Uh, and the company is not pursue, pursuing monetary damages on sales to the 92 low and middle income countries in the Gavi-Covax advanced market commitment uh, because there's no cash in that, of course, uh, because they're not getting, they're not paying anything for them. Um, so uh, certainly they'll be looking for uh, money from uh, from Pfizer uh, and they certainly don't want Pfizer to stop selling uh, their vaccine because that would mean that they wouldn't get whatever money they win in this court action. So. Uh, in the future, I mean, so uh, there we
0: go. It is interesting, a little bit of falling out in the camp, but it's yes. all being done in a gentlemanly way, Yes. so as not to upset the apple cart too much. Sorry, David, did you have thoughts on this?
2: Many, too, too many for the
0: time available,
2: but I just wonder if uh, the, what is it now, the Commission on Human Medicines is, is now the, the body we should be looking to uh, to provide the missing risk assessments. For 15 months, we've been asking the MHRA to give us the quantitative risk assessments looking at the risk and the benefit of COVID-19 vaccines. And for 15 months, they have not been doing so. And in all of that time, they never mentioned this body. Um, So perhaps perhaps this is going to be the saviour of the MHRA and they'll have found someone else to pin
0: the blame on. Uh, Well, David, just have to come back on that one slightly, because uh, we certainly have um, had the Commission on Human Medicines in the spotlight. And I know that there's been quite a bit of uh, uh, communication with them. But strangely, they deflected questions back to the uh, MHRA. So I think we're now in a very interesting situation. Obviously, the MHRA is running for cover. uh, But I think we're going to find that the Commission on Human Medicines is... uh, also going to be trying to dive under a stone. Perhaps it's one of the stones that Rishi Sunak will lift, we will see. Um, So let's move on
1: then to uh, Uh, lifelines, David.
2: Yes, so we we start with uh, this story of Liana Wen. Now, she's a, a, a fine person. She's an author, and she's a doctor, and she's a medical expert. And she's written a book called Lifelines, Um, And the blurb on the book says it's an insider's account of public health and its crucial role from opioid addiction to global pandemic and the inspiring story of her journey from struggling immigrant, because she was born in Shanghai, um, to being one of the time, one of time's 100 most influential people. So, um, Liana Wen was uh, very influential during the COVID pandemic and she was... Touting the government line with severity, even surpassing many of the politicians. We have a little video to illustrate the point.
0: Let me start with this question. As President Biden is announcing today, civilian federal health workers, this excludes Pentagon, will be required to be vaccinated. Um, CDC saying you got to wear masks once again, something you were opposed to when they changed a few weeks ago.
3: In fact, the vaccines have not gotten full authorization. It's still
0: emergency use authorization. So people who are concerned, they're saying, if the federal government hasn't fully approved these, why should I risk my health? Can you talk about what's going on here and what is your answer to them?
3: Sure. And I just first want to clarify that I was opposed to the CDC back in May when they lifted the indoor mask requirement. I thought that the honor code was never going to work, that when vaccinated and unvaccinated people are mixing, unless there is proof of vaccination, everybody should still be wearing masks. And so I actually support what the CDC is now doing, which is going back to this indoor mask requirement, because frankly, we know that we can't trust the unvaccinated, that they have been walking around without masks, and in fact, that's what led to the surge that we're seeing. But to answer your question about what's happening now with vaccine approval. I mean, I think it's good that the FDA is making sure that we follow the right process. We don't want for anything to be rushed. But that said, whatever red tape bureaucracy there is, we really should be cutting out. Because full approval, I mean, at this point, Hundreds of millions of people around the world have received these life-saving vaccines. We know and it's been proven how safe and effective they are. So I'm not entirely sure what we're waiting for. I do know that having full approval will really pave the way for a lot more employers and schools and other institutions to implement vaccine mandates, which I strongly believe is what we need at this point. So I very much support what the Biden administration is doing with the federal government, with federal employees saying that at this point, we are in the middle of a national and international public health emergency. You have a right to stay unvaccinated if you want to, but if you want to be in public spaces, if you want to now be coming to work and and be around other individuals, you don't have a right to infect others with a potentially deadly disease. So the idea of either testing or proving that you're vaccinated, I think is exactly the right one. And FDA approval in the near future, I hope will be coming as well.
2: So there you have it. So that was her position exactly one year ago, uh, that interview uh, uh, on Democracy Now. So the unvaccinated can't be trusted, they're walking around without masks. The vaccines are safe and effective and mandates are our friend. Well, we run forward a year and we've got a somewhat different story. Here here she's writing in Wall Street Journal opinion pages, uh, I'm a doctor, here's why my kids won't wear a mask this year in school. And she's writing that uh, how she pulled her two-year son out of preschool. We socialised only outdoors at a safe distance. I limited indoor activities I was never without my N95 mask. Um, And she continues, after coronavirus vaccines became available, my tolerance remained low because of my unvaccinated kids. I still avoided indoor restaurants and masked at indoor gatherings unless they required proof of vaccination and recent negative tests. Um, Our son restarted preschool, but we made sure he was always masked. Play dates were strictly outdoors only. So she was a full follower of all the COVID nonsense. But then coronavirus, it became very obvious, wasn't being eliminated and was here to stay. And she writes, with this new indefinite time frame, the benefit-risk calculus, at least someone's doing a risk-benefit analysis, of my mitigation measures shifted. I was willing to limit my children's activities for a year or two, but not for their entire childhood. Um, And she she then says both kids are now starting school next week. Uh, they are fully vaccinated. We do not plan to limit their activities, and we will not be masking them in the classroom. I accept that the risk my kids will probably uh, accept the risk that my kids will probably contract COVID nineteen this school year, just as they could contract flu. Um, uh, she said, "Masking has harmed our son's language development." And limiting both kids' extracurriculars and social interactions would neg- negatively affect their childhood and hinder my and my husband's ability to work. I think in that she's actually downplaying the significance of language development being um, harmed. So she wrote this and she said she wasn't going to uh, mask her children, that masking her children had actually caused them harm and that uh, COVID, COVID was here to stay and people would, should make their own individual choices and Weigh up the risks and benefits as they see fit, which is pretty much what uh, all the reasonable parts of the world has been saying for the past two and a half years. The reaction was brutal. So here we see Reason reporting on it. She's accused of unsafe, ableist, fatphobic, unethical <laughs> practices. There's a petition online to get her deplatformed. I hear you laughing, Brian, and it's it is laughable, but this is what they're doing. From the American Public Health Association annual meeting. Uh, the, the petition reads, we are demanding our colleagues and fellow leaders in public health reconsider and replace Dr. Wen with someone whose work is consistent with anti-racist, anti-eugenicist public health practices wow. and community health. Now, do you notice how she says, my child has been harmed by the mask wearing, I'm not going to do it anymore. And despite two and a half years of promoting this policy, she is instantly, literally Hitler. She's a racist eugenicist. That's the implication. Unbelievable. Um, uh, Some of the comments uh, are, quote, through her platform on news outlets and social media, Dr. Wen has promoted unscientific, unsafe, ableist, fatphobic, unethical practices during the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, Now, this is striking as to how fast the, the narrative switches on people who were formerly allies of the state or the deep state and now are, are speaking more sensibly. Uh, at least the Wall Street Journal had the gumption to actually defend uh, its journalist. Uh, they talk about the cancellation of her. Um, uh, so last fall, this, the right, she, was, she opined that uh, Biden's administration vaccine mandates didn't go far enough why didn't Biden announce that he will mandate vaccinations for plane and train travel, she said. But her recent, in recent months, uh, her columns have talked about individual, individual responsibility. Ironically enough, the panel she's they're trying to ban her from, uh, the subject was harassment, bullying and death threats, staying the course while under attack. So she was supposed to be talking about how awful it was to be a public health official when all these nasty anti-vaxxers were calling her mean names. But she said something semi-reasonable and all of a sudden it's all of her former colleagues who are now uh, attacking her with even more venom for walking back the policies that she had been advocating these past two and a half years. Isn't it a strange and quick turn?
0: It is. Absolutely. I'm I'm sitting here, David, with a smile on my face because uh, the news gets put together uh, on the morning of the day in question, and sometimes things just slot into place. So uh, that lady is now getting very, very rough treatment. Let's bring another gentleman on screen, and it's Rishi Sunak, because a couple of days ago, oh dear, he started to say, I wasn't happy uh, with what was happening during the whole of the COVID lockdown. And um, he also said that he was warning that there was too much influence from scientists and there was too much fear mongering and uh, we've got quite a backlash. Uh, Sky News, not too bad here. Richie Sunak claims he was gagged over negative effects of COVID lockdowns and scientists had too much influence. Uh, We've got The Guardian here. Sunak accused of rewriting history by saying number 10 ignored lockdown harms. Now we've got some interesting terms coming in Mike. Tory leadership hopeful said he was prevented from raising the negative effects of COVID measures. Well, uh, I think this is all good stuff. Uh, BBC News experts had too much power over COVID lockdowns, says Rishi Sunak. The mirror wounded Rishi Sunak lifts lid on lockdown and says, empowering experts, quote, screwed the UK. So this is really incredible stuff as a result of him saying some really quite minor things. The Spectator probably had one of the key articles on this, so we're going to encourage people to go to this one. The Lockdown Files, Rishi Sunak on what we weren't told. And uh, if we go to uh, the Conservative Woman, Always a good source of uh, information, particularly about COVID. Um, They went in very hard on Mr. Sunak because they said his belated COVID confessions, a shocking indictment of a man without a moral compass. Now, I'll I'll comment on that maybe a little bit later, but encourage you to go to the Conservative woman, of course. Let's hop back to The Guardian. Sunak is so desperate to be Prime Minister that he has decided to rewrite COVID history. My goodness, they, they can't get at this man enough. And let's bring in uh, Rachel Clark, uh, supposedly a palliative. I'm sure she is a palliative care doctor. She says the misinformation spouted by the leadership hopeful is dangerous and exacerbates the wrongful mistrust of scientists. My goodness, this lady is fired up. It's a potent image, isn't it? All that fearlessness and resolve rippling beneath a Kashmir hoodie. Sunak, in his own eyes, was nothing less than a one man crusade for common sense and human rights in the face of evangelical lockdown monomania. There's a new word. Uh, Even more arresting is Sunak's root cause analysis of how the UK came to suffer. The government's fatal mistake, he claims was to, quote, empower the independent scientists of the Scientific Advisory Group for Emergencies, SAGE, to such an extent that they, quote, screwed the country. Uh, Well, even with lockdowns, according to the latest death certificate data, more than 170,000 people have died of COVID since the pandemic began. Just how many more tens of thousands of casualties would be required for Sunak to concede that actually lockdowns served a vital... uh, purpose. I'll just pop this on the screen. We'd like the statistics and the evidence to back up this 170,000. But what she's doing here is a diversionary argument from what Richie Sunak was really talking about. But we'll follow it on through the article. She says, the fact is, in almost every line of the interview, clearly an attempt to pander to the libertarian wing of the party faithful. Sunak is talking nonsense. He alleges, for instance, that that SAGE had the power to decide whether the country would lock down or not, but that's entirely wrong. SAGE's role was and remains advisory. It's up to the executive to make the tough decisions, a concept that I believe is known as leadership. Now, I'm gonna actually support her on this point, and this was really one of the key points from Conservative Woman, but let's follow on what The Guardian has to say. Uh, She says that Sunak alleges evasiveness spin a lack of transparency from Sage claiming that the committee would issue horrifying scenarios about what would come to pass if Britain did not impose lockdown without revealing the basis upon which they had been calculated. I was like, I was saying summarise for me the key assumptions on one page with a bunch of sensitivities and rationale for each one. In the first year, Richie says, I could never get this. And uh, she says, this is claptrap. This is also claptrap. Take, for example, the Imperial College modeling, which influenced the decision to lock down the first for the first time in March 2020. That model predicted 250,000 deaths without any interventions. It was published in its entirety, entirety, raw data, statistical analysis, executive summary, and bullet point conclusions on the 16th of March 2020. Perhaps Sunak, who must have missed it at the time, would like to read it. Now, this lady is now showing her complete ignorance of what Sage and Spy B were really doing. But notice that she pumps in the fearful death statistics again. Let's bring up those deaths. So whether she knows it or not, she's trying to play with the readers' minds. But let's just bring up Conservative Woman, because this is what they had to say. One of Sunak's big concerns was about the fear messaging, which his Treasury team worried could have long-lasting effects. In every brief, we tried to say, let's stop the fear narrative. It was always wrong from the beginning. I constantly said it was wrong. The posters showing COVID patients on ventilators, he said, were the worst. It was wrong to scare people like that. Now we're into the meat of the argument because, of course, what Ritchie was putting his finger on was the use of applied psychology by the government. But the Conservative woman hits him on this by saying, Why didn't he say so at the time? Is there any material evidence he even raised these concerns, which says little for his leadership abilities? He surely must have been aware of the many millions, upwards of one billion by the end, that were being spent with the Treasury's blessing on the cabinet office's deliberate fear engendering campaign. And this is what it's really about. Whether or not he should have done it earlier, uh, Rishi Sunak has now pointed a finger at the government's fear campaign in order to get its policy across. And I think this is very encouraging. The backlash says to me, Mike, that the establishment is very worried about what he started to say.
1: Well, while I largely agree with what you've said there, um, I I think you're being very generous to him. I'm afraid I absolutely 100% agree with the conservative woman. And it was interesting because before you put that last slide on screen, I had written down, could have brought it up at the time. Yes, Right? And And uh, the fact of the matter is this is a cynical attempt to hint at a little bit of the truth in order to try to grab a proportion of the party which might support them as a result?
0: Right, Mike, but it's the backlash which is what we should be paying attention to. The establishment is so frightened of what this man has dipped his toe into, yeah. the backlash tells us this is where we should go. Now, over the weekend, I was lucky enough to be able to have a talk about this whole subject uh, with psychotherapist Dr. Christian Buckland I've got a little clip here of that interview. Just listen to what he says about the British government's applied political psychology project to make people fearful. Dr. Buckland, what are you picking up on this?
4: Well, it's a really, really, really important development. And I've got very mixed emotions about it because nothing he has said has come as any surprise to me and probably to none, to any of your viewers. I think, you know, we've known that artificially inflated fear has been the driving force between, behind the entire COVID narrative and that without the ramped up fear levels, the world would be in a very different place right now. But what he has said has vindicated everyone who has spoken out over the past two years. And I think it's, it's really important to acknowledge that speaking a truth when it's unpopular takes so much courage, Um, you don't have anything to gain, you've just got everything to lose, whether it's your job, your professional standing or your relationships, it's been really risky for people to stand up and tell the truth. So it's very good that his words have given further proof that everyone who stood up was right to do so, but the damage has already been done. Um, So as I say, I've got really mixed emotions about what he said, but I think one really good point is that it shines a spotlight back on the topic of behavioural science and psychological techniques, because, like you, Brian, I've been warning since 2020 that these psychological and behavioural techniques have been used on an unknowing and unconsenting public, um, which means they haven't given their consent or approval for this to happen. And that, to me, is what makes it all unethical and very dangerous.
0: So unethical, dangerous, people didn't know what was happening. Uh, we will be showing the full interview instead of extra time today. We'll give a little advert for that in a moment. But really, uh, this is the meat of it. The public didn't know, but what was being done to them, uh, this uh, professional says was dangerous. Let's remember that it was the UK column warning back in 2010 about the use of applied political psychology with the government's mind space. Uh, document. If we pop that one up on screen, please. And uh, encourage people to go online, find it as the PDF and read it. And of course, another uh, series of documents, which uh, Dr. Christian Buckland also referred to was the Spy B minutes from the 22nd of March, 2020, where they were saying we're going to use fear to get the public to do what we want them to do. And uh, back on the 31st of October on the UK column, We were warning that even the NHS knew the dangers uh, because it was talking about mental health damage as a result of lockdown and the policies. Uh, But of course, here we were linking it back to the fact we had the UK government boasting uh, that it was able to change the way people thought and their behaviour and they wouldn't know. So if you don't know about this uh, documentation, you need to find it. And of course, back in May 2013, Uh, We had Francis Moore boasting that the government was going to use applied psychology to do its business in the nudge unit. And uh, we also warned of linkages uh, between the British government and the French. Uh, These were some of the people involved at the time. But we we're particularly interested in this gentleman. I'll bring him on screen in Who, a second. Who, by the way,
1: is a young, World Economic Forum young leader, just by the
0: way. Yes, young. Uh, thank you, Mike, for that. Uh, Dr. David Halpin, this is the key guru running all of this uh, pernicious political psychology. Uh, but we warned that it was even linked through to all of the departments and the plans for big society. So here he is, the French expert, Oliver Willier and uh, he was working behind the scenes. So if you want to see more of um, our interview with Dr. Christian Buckland, as I say, that will be played out instead of extra time after today's news. Um, Okay,
1: Uh, let's move on then to this. Uh, Sir James Bevan, the head of the Environment Agency, uh, published an article over the weekend uh, in The Times uh, entitled, Sir James Bevan, colon, drinking recycled sewage is the future. So let's just have a look and see what he had to say. Uh, Part of the solution, uh, because of course we've got water shortages because of climate change and so on, part of the solution, it's his claim, I clarify his claim, Uh, part of the solution will be to reprocess the water that results from sewage treatment and turn it back into drinking water, perfectly safe and healthy, but not something many people fancy, a bit like vaccines, the claims around vaccines, isn't it that? But anyway, uh, he went on to say in the article, we need to remember where it comes from when we turn on the tap, Uh, what comes out started in a river, lake or aquifer. The more we take, the more we drain those sources and put stress on nature and wildlife. Well, the question is, um, are we uh, draining those sources uh, as a result of climate change or are we draining those sources as a result of uh, leak, leaking pipes and so on? Um, and uh, although what uh, continues to reveal the progress, as they claim it, on water industry leakage performance, uh, the fact of the matter is that the latest numbers are saying that uh, water companies lose an average an average of 2,923.8 million litres of water a day in 2021-2022, and that's 1.06 trillion litres of water over the year. Uh, and I think one mainstream media outlet over the last day or two was talking about the number of Lake Windermere's that that is. And so if you think about all those, uh, uh, all those um, you know, water storage and, and other places that, we're, that we've seen all the photographs of for example, all the reservoirs with the photographs of the water levels so low and uh, the question is david why and and in it's fact an excellent are you happy to be uh, drinking uh, gray water in 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 replacement for uh, clean water
2: no um the 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 whole issue of sewage treatment is that you're you're reducing um the the effluent to a quality that can go back into the environment. Not go cool, back into your glass of water on your desk. It's, it's going back into the environment uh, in such a way that it doesn't have particles, it doesn't have an oxygen demand uh, that, that deoxygenates the water and kills all the fish. It goes back into the environment in such a way that the environment essentially completes the treatment. It, it's, uh, to, to treat it to drinkable standards would be a whole different ballgame. Um, not possible um, you know, UV filtration and all the rest of it. But um, why would you do this? This whole idea we're constantly depleting. Every time you turn on a tap, you're depleting a resource. It does rain in this country. Every time it rains, that resource is being re- refilled. Uh, it's a case of just getting the, the infrastructure to work. One of the most uh, concerning stats I heard lately is that 60% of the uh, water infrastructure has, in fact, been replaced in recent years. So it's not just Victorian pipes that are bursting and leaking. It's, uh, it's modern infrastructure that's bursting and leaking. And uh, the, the losses are enormous. And surely that's the place
0: to start. Indeed. Uh, perhaps I could just add, because I noticed, as you were um, quoting Sir James Bevan, he's talk, uh, Mike, he's talking about rivers, lakes and an aquifers he seems to have forgotten things called reservoirs um, these are apparently old old fashioned old hats we don't yeah. want reservoirs that's why we've been closing reservoirs down yes decommissioning them indeed
1: right now let's uh, have a look at the continuing attack on the media and uh well here's politico and the headline is how retired mi6 boss uh, his brexiteer friends and a celebrity Marxist became targets in Russia's war on Ukraine. Because I mean, what does the mainstream media do? It doesn't take uh, allegations that are made in uh, alternative media and actually investigate them. No, it uh, decides that it wants to attack any real journalism that goes on anymore. So let's just bring this back on screen if we could. Uh, So uh, let's see what it says. Uh, At first glance, Gwythian Prince, a professor at London School of Economics, seems an unlikely target for Russian hackers seeking to discredit the British government. Well, first of all, I'd like to know what evidence they have that it was Russian hackers that leaked the emails. But nonetheless, the claim is that uh, Gwydian Prince's personal email uh, account was hacked and the emails were taken from there. Uh, The article goes on to say that the hackers' real target was Prince's retired friend and supposed co-conspirator Richard Dearlove, with whom he frequently exchanged encrypted emails. Dearlove, an ardent Brexiteer and former boss of MI6, No mention of the fact that he was the man behind the uh, the so-called intelligence that brought the UK into the Iraq war, uh, while Tony Blair was uh, Prime Minister. No mention of that at all, if they want context. Uh, So it goes on to say, uh, further attacks on prominent British political figures have followed, including uh, Marxist activist Paul Paul Mason. But it says, uh, and now a well-known political commentator who has urged fellow left-wingers to back British efforts to face down Russian President Vladimir Putin. So very much attempting to put this uh, Grey Zone article uh, in with the Russians. Uh, Both hacks are now subject to intensive investigations by the British security services political can reveal. Uh, But as I say, they they then target uh, Grey Zone themselves um, and really attempting to link Grey Zone uh, with Russia and China because the the comment here is the gray zone has a reputation for pushing stories that match some of the narratives of Kremlin propaganda, as well as the propaganda of authoritarian regimes such as China and Syria. So, you know, if you're telling the truth, uh, David, just very briefly, if you're telling the truth, and that truth happens to be also uh, stated by the Russians, that is you matching a Russian uh, propaganda narrative.
2: Well, uh, if if you believe in postmodernism, and there's no such thing as truth or lies, there's only power, and you only speak in order to gain power, then that would make some sense. If, on the other hand, you believe there is such a thing as absolute truth, that would be uh, an attempt to deceive.
1: Yes. Uh, so anyway, they then focus on Kit Klarenberg, the author of these articles himself. Uh, and, uh, well, they quote him here, and his position is the origin of the material is irrelevant. As long as it's real. Uh, if the, So they quote him then by say, uh, as saying, if the material was factually accurate, then irrespective of the source, I think it should be published. And he said, if the CIA hacks Chinese, Russian or Iranian government computers and then releases the content, do journalists sit there thinking uh, this is coming from an agency that's been engaged in all manner of morally reprehensible skullduggery all over the world for decades? He asked, and this is, I think Brian, an absolutely yeah. valid point,
0: well, it's it's valid, but we're 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 now living in the hypocrisy of the UK or the US or the West um, hypocrisy in how we conduct ourselves, backed up by propaganda, which which really puts the Russians in second place. Um, um,
1: and yes, yeah. so, so anyway, the continue can the continuation of uh, the attack on the media continues and highlighted here by the Society of Editors with their headline: "Secret Police Guidance." links journalists with corruption, Society of Editors warns, and they've published an open letter. Uh, So in the letter to the College of Policing, the Society of Editors and Crime Reporters Association said that the inclusion of journalists within secretive notifiable association section of the college's uh, APP counter-corruption guidance risked equating the media profession with the wrongdoing and corruption that journalists sought to uncover. Uh, and so the uh, the Society of Editors and the uh, Crime Reporters Association are saying that that should be dropped. Uh, they say, the letter said, it has increasingly come to our attention that the APP guidance on counter-corruption contains a restricted section on what are called notifiable associations that includes journalists within a group, uh, within a list of groups that require disclosure by officers in England and Wales in a bid to fight corruption. Uh, While the guidance's implementation by individual forces appears to be fragmented, it's alarming that the guidance's very existence only came to light following its inclusion within a report by Her Majesty's Inspectorate of Constabulary uh, earlier this year, and as such has not been subject to wider discussion or scrutiny. So uh, perhaps, David, it should be subject to that wider discussion and scrutiny, but I'd like to know how many other of these kinds of lists there are uh, on a covert basis around various government institutions.
2: That would be very interesting to know. And the general reduction in any sort of transparency in, in the government is is visible all across the United Kingdom. Um, and the level of threat that journalists face is ever increasing. Um, it affects mostly people in the alternative media because they don't have the backing of legal departments, etc. Uh, but it's coming for the
0: mainstream uh, steadily.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: Okay. Well, let's just have a little bit of an update on uh, Ukraine. And uh, we're doing this in a very simple way. But of course, if you want to find out what's actually happening uh, in the war and on the front, then you are going to go to social media Uh, because that is is where all the factual information and the mapping is going on. You're not going to find any valid information on the BBC or from defence intelligence, for example, in the UK. So this is just an illustrative uh, shot of some of the mapping. But the key point is that uh, what is being reported quite accurately on social media is that the Russians are conducting a massive artillery operation along the whole of the front, and having smashed their way through the entrenched Ukrainian defenses with extremely high casualties for the Ukrainians, they are then continuing to take ground. It's done very, very slowly and methodically, and this is to reduce both Russian and Allied uh, casualties, but also to keep civilian casualties down because many of these areas now are, are completely abandoned by the civilian population. But whilst the West at the moment is trying to say that the whole front is a stalemate and the Russians are not progressing, nothing could be further from the truth. But let's have a look at what our um, armed, force, armed forces minister, James Heapy, had to say about what we're doing training Ukrainians.
5: I think we've got about 3,700 who are uh, undergoing training or have completed it thus far. Um, It started as a four-week course within which there's a very large defensive component because we were training people, we thought principally, to go to the Donbass and defend Ukrainian territory. In more recent weeks, we've been able to tweak it because, uh, A, the course has gone to five weeks, but also the Ukrainians started to say to us, actually, we're going to need these people to be part of a counter-strike if and when one comes. Uh, and so we were able to say, OK, fine, well, we will tailor training more towards offensive action. Again, you know, it is the most incredible reflection of the, the agility and the versatility of our armed forces that they've been able to, A, from a standing start, deliver training of that quality and that capacity. But then as the need on the ground has changed, we've been able to really quickly change the training curriculum. And there is not a single soldier, sailor or aviator involved in that training, who hasn't told me how proud they are to be involved in it, and how inspired they are by the commitment of the Ukrainians as they're undergoing that training, knowing that in just a few short weeks, they'll be fighting for their lives and their country back home in Ukraine. Two things happened that history will judge uh, to have been pivotal. Firstly, President Zelensky emboldened the Ukrainian nation and the Ukrainian armed forces have shown a commitment and a courage that is way beyond what anybody thought might be possible. And then secondly, and every bit as importantly, the Russian armed forces have been serially undermined by the interference and the hubris of Vladimir Putin, who had interfered in the military planning and even the execution of the military operation Forcing his armed forces to give away their advantage. And so we find ourselves in a place six months in where the war is brutal. The Ukrainians say they've lost about 9,000 troops. Our analysis is that Russia has had about 80,000 killed, wounded, captured, uh, or deserted. Um, that's an incredible human cost. But we find ourselves at a place where actually the conflict is very finely balanced. And therefore, there's no reason why Ukraine can't ultimately prevail.
0: Well, just an incredible statement. Uh, But of course, one of the things is that those troops are supposedly being uh, trained to defend. Uh, No, they're apparently now being trained to uh, go on the offensive. But the reality on the battlefield is there has been no major Ukrainian offensive. There will not be one because Ukraine is no longer in a position to do any major offensive. And the smaller offensives that have taken place over the last week have all been completely beaten off with extremely heavy losses. So just disastrous that we're training the troops to fight. Um, And as you you said while the video was playing, Mike, that basically uh, those troops are going off from five weeks training. They're going to the front where they will be killed. And we're going to put this little video and play it again, because this is where the troops will be going. They will be facing massive uh, Russian artillery strikes, which will kill them before they even see a Russian. So what what the UK is doing at the moment is luring these young men into a position where they think they're going to fight, but actually they're going to the front to die. And so I, I think the words of Mr. Heapy just appalling and uh, he should be taken to task for this. But if we have a look at the propaganda coming out of the UK and defence intelligence, it says recent independent Russia media reports have claimed that due to the problems Russia is facing in its war against Ukraine, Russian defence minister Sergei Shojo is now being sidelined with the Russian leadership. Well, where is the evidence for any of that? Because the war is continuing to move on as planned. And look at this statement, Russian officers and soldiers with first-hand experience of the war probably routinely ridicule Shoigo. What is that statement, Mike? That's a guesstimate piece of propaganda about nothing.
1: Yes, but aside from anything else, uh, is it not common for, uh, you know, squaddies to take the mickey out of Uh, their ears. Well,
0: that is a very good point, because that happens in UK as well. But there's no reporting of the war on the front because defense intelligence didn't do that because this would reveal the fact that the Ukrainians are now effectively beaten. So it's just outrageous what UK is doing to supposedly train these young soldiers. I find it tragic. Okay, let's uh, move on to uh, some good news because apparently the uh, Prince
1: of Wales, the HMS Prince of Wales, left Portsmouth uh, yesterday to head over to the United States for uh, what is being described as a, a really important uh, event. And we'll come on to that in a second. Uh, the unfortunate thing is, uh, Brian, that it uh, didn't get very far uh, because it had to be towed back again. Uh, in fact, it's apparently off the coast of the Isle of Wight at the moment uh, as a result of a breakdown. It's uh, apparently... Uh, something to do with uh, one of its um, uh, prop shafts. Um, not quite sure whether it's a bearing or what it might be, but nonetheless, it is not able to head over to the United States, which is all very unfortunate because it's supposed to be there in a couple of weeks' time, a few weeks' time, for the next Atlantic Future Forum. And if you remember, this is all about uh, British and American uh, defence cooperation and so on. Let's just have a look at what this says. This year, the Atlantic Future Forum will take place 28th and 29th of September 2022 in New York. Uh, the AFF will be hosted on the Royal Navy's aircraft carrier HMS Prince of Wales as part of its maiden voyage to the United States. Uh, following the Russian invasion of Ukraine, the forum will be an opportunity for senior politicians, policymakers, military leaders and academia together with business leaders and entrepreneurs to discuss the new dimensions of international security and the future technologies which define the next decade and beyond. Do you think they're going over there, Brian, to discuss how they might make up for the losses in uh, weapons uh, that they've sent over to Ukraine and how they're going to uh, fill in those big holes that they've left behind.
0: But at some point, Mike, these military and political people have got to discuss the fact that the war has been lost in Ukraine. Uh, the the munitions and the weapon systems squandered, the billions spent with no accounting. Um, I think, yep, they're going to be discussing what do we do to try and Withdraw from this mess. Ultimately, I, I think Zelensky will be abandoned, but it's going to take a bit bit longer yet.
1: Um, so, if we just put that back on screen, the forum will be led
0: by the Department for International
1: Trade alongside the Ministry of Defence, the Foreign Commonwealth and Development Office uh, to strengthen the trade and economic pillars of the Euro Atlantic Alliance. Euro Atlantic Alliance, okay, uh, and reinforce our security and defence partnership with like minded democratic allies. The AFF is charged. Uh, chaired by lord sedwell and will be co-hosted by the first sea lord admiral sir ben key and her majesty's ambassador dame karen pierce i can't think of three uh, better people to host it uh, i'm sure uh, well i'm sure it'll be uh, an amazing event
0: it seems all set to be a disaster and are they going to get some aircraft when they get to the other side mike uh,
1: that is apparently what'll happen the uh f-35s will be deployed onto uh, Uh, HMS Prince of Wales once it gets over to the United States If it gets, gets, the water may
0: be too warm.
1: Yes. Okay, let's uh, move on. And uh, if you like what the UK Column does and you would like to support us, uh, then please come over to community.ukcolumn.org. And uh, if you'd like to become a member, that would be fantastic. Or you could pick something up at the UK Column shop. Uh, But in any case, do please uh, share any material you find on the various platforms.
0: Okay. well, reminder that this uh, coming weekend, uh, the fourth, we've got the Alternative View um, conference hosted by UK Column. If you haven't bought a ticket already, we encourage you to do that because this will be the Kickstarter to the full live events where we can have people gathering together in person to enjoy speakers and some uh, socialising. So very good event. Um, and Katie Joe uh, welcomes the program.
1: And uh, Killing Granny, well, we've talked about Killing Granny several times on the program. Uh, but uh, there's a crowdfunder associated with this.
6: There's a crowdfunder. Um, they need to reach uh, one thousand two hundred pounds, um, and there's only one day left. Um, so I, I wanted to bring it up because comedy is—it's so important that we we support it, especially this sort of comedy that is getting the truth out there. Um, it's a brilliant way to break down barriers and to, yeah, to show people the truth. So if you can support it, it would be great. I know Patrick has spoken about the, uh, the, uh, the comedy show before, but a quick description of the show. Phil Zimmerman's show boldly sticks its head above the parapet of the official COVID narrative to unite people. It's the best medicine. Is it the second wave? Is it the third? In all this excitement, we've lost count. Help fund the full Edinburgh run of the 2022 variant of Killing Granny. Your contribution can help spread it like wildfire um so he, he finishes that off with support the comedy revolution boost immunity to lies with laughter it's the best party in town no one in the country is doing a show like this says phil no one else has got the balls so i just think oh, if we can get that to run in edinburgh it'd be brilliant
1: okay thank you very much for that and david uh, coming back to you then uh, what's been going on? Oh, sorry, let's put that back on screen. Uh, what's uh, What's been going on with uh, various uh, processions and other uh, campaigns?
2: Well, this is uh, Cardiff, Cardiff Pride March, and we have uh, the lesbians um, thought that they were involved in the LGBT movement and it transpires that they were wrong. Uh, this is uh, a photograph of them out protesting. Um, and uh, the mail here reports that police removed them from uh, the Gay Pride Parade in Cardiff. Um, and um, the, uh, a policeman told a gender-critical woman to leave the march because whatever you are, you're causing a confrontation with the trans groups and their supporters. And if anyone's wondering why one of the lesbian uh, protesters is dressed as uh, some sort of sniper, I have no idea. But we do have some video... Uh, of the policemen uh, instructing the lesbians that they had no place in that march.
0: We are in, marching. Marching. in a march? At the You're, moment. No, just, I, mean, I just want to that, make sure. No, yeah, you that know I, now, uh, let me just explain uh, to yeah, you yeah. and it'll give you some understanding. Yeah.
2: So at the moment, your march, this group of people, yeah. is causing
0: confrontation between different groups of people okay? lesbians. Whatever you is are at
6: right
0: at the moment and is and causing
6: confrontation. I did not, not want it. Fuck up you march yourselves. No, we
0: don't want to
2: do that. We want to be but that's violent. your choice, so what I'm telling you is You're to make sure me. it's safe. We are going to remove from the road, okay. and I want you to do that on your own accord.
4: I, I want to make sure I understand that you are removing lesbians from a LGBT march. Yes, that is, that what is what's doing. happening. Okay, why? Okay, for okay,
3: safety.
4: Okay. For your safety, for
0: okay. other people's safety. But That's why, why you I'm be doing be it. You so should
5: be able to protect them from violence. We have right
0: conversations home. about the reasons why at the side of the road, because otherwise, you are going to be removed from the road.
2: Uh, So they were um, taken aside. The Times also reported on this. Um, The South Wales Police said officers officers were required to engage with a small protest group who had assembled themselves on the route to block the procession. To ensure no further disruption to the event, officers asked the group to move aside and they agreed to do so. Officers explained why they needed to move, provided guidance about protesting lawfully and offered to facilitate a lawful protest. The group was cooperative and left the area shortly after, which makes it all sound terribly friendly, but you heard some of the language, and apologies for that, uh, that it was anything but friendly. And um, there, uh, it's quite clear that uh, anyone who thinks the LGBT movement is about gay and lesbian people hasn't been paying attention.
1: Uh, indeed. And uh, Katie Jo, um, the uh, Daily Wire here headline is LGB Drop the T, trending on Twitter.
6: That's right. It's another big movement, actually. Um, so, yeah, they, under, their, under the, the, the title, it says we didn't sign for this. Um, those tweeting under the hashtag expressed their frustration that in their view, the transgender movement has co-opted the gay rights movement and turned it into something unrecognisable. The T hitched a ride a few years back, invited itself for dinner and is trying to make out that it always lived here. It didn't, uh, tweeted one of the uh, one of the uh, people that are against this, um, who describes himself as a same-sex attracted person. So pride marches, protests, and LGB rights without, um, happened without the T. I remember I was there, and I also remember the T wasn't. So um, on the next slide, we've got somebody else who's saying, um, no thanks, I'm gay, the G part, which means I exclusively like men, not women who think they are men. That was tweeted by um, a user, Joss. Um, He also praised JK Rowling. Um, And then in the next slide, we have somebody else saying, real change is coming to the LGBT community and I'm here siding with them. Happy to see it happen. Any group of people seeking to silence women into submission and exploit the lesbian community can go to hell. Um, And it just goes on and on. Um, Next slide, we didn't sign for this. Um, We don't want kids groomed, not wanting men in our spaces. Or to have sex with certain genitalia does not make us transphobes. We promised it wasn't the slippery slope they feared. You took advantage of our goodwill. It's gone too far, tweeted another user under the hashtag. So there's loads and loads of people now tweeting um, about this, um, the dropping of the T. Um, and um, there's a couple of tweets actually um, on the next slide there. So it's, uh, remember to keep the LGB, drop the T trending, it's getting noticed. And there you can see a picture of two men in a stronghold with the words, straight people across one arm and LGB across the other, and men are women and women, uh, sorry, men are men and women are women, written across their hand. Um, and there was another article as well um, in the Daily Wire that was written yesterday um, about Brittany Aldean Um, She's the wife of a country star, um, um, Jason uh, Aldean, he's a country music star, and she's fighting back after receiving attacks from the liberal country singers over an Instagram post criticising the transgender movement's focus on children. Um, It reads, though, most celebrities are reluctant to express any sort of right-wing views. Brittany 34 and her husband have been increasingly vocal about being conservative and supported the former President Donald Trump. Um, Her post where she thanks her parents for not changing her gender when she went through her tomboy phase has received over 160,000 likes. Um, She obviously um, had backlash. A couple of comments were, um, one from was uh, Cassidy Pope, the voice winner and country star um, on Twitter. You'd think celebrities with beauty brands would see positives in including LGBTQ plus people in their messaging, but instead here we are hearing someone compare their tomboy phase to someone wanting to transition real nice and then another singer uh marine morris replied saying it's so easy like not to be a scumbag sell your clippings and zip it insurrection barbie um but she refused to back down and her reply i think is fabulous um she says advocating the genital mutilation of children under the guise of love and calling it gender affirming care is one of the worst evils i will always support my children and do what i can to protect their innocence the other day memphis wanted to be called a dinosaur and tomorrow navy will want to be a cat they are children Um, some parents want to be accepted by society so badly they are willing to make life altering decisions for children who aren't old enough to fully comprehend the consequences of those actions. Love is protecting your child until they are mature enough as an adult to make their own life decisions. Thankfully, my parents allowed me to go through my tomboy phase without changing my gender. Until then, leave children alone." And she had the support of Candy Owens, um, who replied um, to Marans Morris's uh, comment, "Um, it's easier to not castrate children, but I guess whatever helps sell bad records. So um, I was also uh, looking at some uh, posts, and I came across this one, um, which says, looking for beautiful gender neutral baby names. Um, and I was really interested to see you know, who had liked it and what the comments were. And it actually had 6,556 likes, but 12,900 laughing faces. Um, and there were suggestions like Lamp, No Such Thing, Seriously, uh, Wokey McWoke face," Child One, Child Two, It, Thingy, Hey You. So you can kind of see that a lot of people are in support of this and really starting to question now what is going on and what they're playing
4: at.
1: Okay, brilliant. Thank you for that. And David, uh, let's move on to then this uh, neurotechnology law and the legal profession.
2: Yes, this is uh, an, an outstanding, a stunning uh, piece of work from the Law Society. This is a report produced by the Law Society, um, and uh, the uh, cover page there, uh, Black Female um, and Young Lawyer, because that's what they all look like, uh, the Law Society being right on. But it then goes on and talks about the advantages of uh, AI systems and neurotechnology to improve the workplace performance of lawyers. Perhaps clients they say might provide pressure to do this. One can imagine imagine changes to billing that might be brought about by the attention monitoring capacities of neurotechnologies. This might even prompt a move from billable hours to billable attention. Now this next illustration here uh, is actually from the report, this man all covered in electrodes, this is what your lawyer might look like in a few years. Um, and they also comment quite worryingly, legal educators can expect to encounter interesting new problems that might challenge existing modes of legal thinking. Uh, that sounds like our rights being removed from us. Uh, and this was all reported on uh, in The Times, Um Lawyers with a brain chip implants will be better, faster, and cheaper, if you believe that. Um, lawyers could have electronic chips implanted in the brain in a revolutionary step that may cut legal costs and reduce the number of solicitors needed on complex cases, this uh, Law Society report uh, suggests. Proponents of neurotechnology for lawyers have argued that corporate clients will press for the chips as an efficiency measure uh, which could result in city solicitors who routinely charge £1,500 an hour switching to billable units of attention. Uh, the report's written by Alan Mackay, professor at the University of Sydney Law School in Australia. Um, and um, he talked again about the, the billable attention. Uh, the report uh, is called Neurotechnology, Law and the Legal Profession. Um, and. Uh, the Times concludes, no longer will teams of, of solicitors be required to pour over complicated merger contracts. One super lawyer with an embedded chip will be able to scan years of precedence and acres of background material in a fraction of the time. It's not explained, of course, how he will do this or how he will interface with the technology if he's not reading. Uh, and if, he, if it's reading, then it's limited by his reading speed. None of this is explained, but we're all very in favour of wiring up the lawyers to get more out of them. What could possibly go wrong?
1: Yeah, I mean, I was finding myself uh, laughing uh, through that because it is so risible. But the point is, this is a serious report from a serious organisation. And we've got to to really ask about the 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 ideology
2: that's driving this. Yeah. This is right. I mean, we've 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 talked about transhumanism extensively. It's been discussed at sort of very high level um, in in very non-specific matters um, from your know, United Nations organizations and the like. But this is a law society saying that we're looking ahead and this is what we think the future is. So it is, you know, although the technology is not there, it's certainly being promoted.
1: Yes. Okay, and then Kitty Joe, um, well, scanning QR codes in classrooms.
6: Yes, uh, brace yourselves for this one. um when i t- when I told David this uh, article, I gave him the headline earlier on today he um, he couldn't stop laughing. Um, it's yeah, you, you cannot believe it. So students at Britain's oldest drama school Lambda are urged to make complaints over teachers' microaggressions by scanning QR codes placed in classrooms. Um, The drama school introduced the trial system after consulting with students. Students can anonymously report microaggressions against them or others. Microaggressions are subtle or unintentionally prejudicial comments or actions. Uh, free speech union warns of a growing trend of surveillance in UK universities. Um, Students at one of Britain's most prestigious drama schools have been reporting on teachers' microaggressions using QR class uh, codes in classrooms. It says, obviously, it's branded as totalitarian state uh, surveillance by other critics. Um, and the decision came apparently after the institution consulted with its drama students over how it could build active allyship and anti-racism into the very ethos of Lambda, uh, the Lambda community. Um, we have got uh, somebody there who is, um, I can't read his name, Uh, it's Brian Harris, um, of the Free Speech Union telling The Telegraph that he is concerned about a growing trend of surveillance carried out from within a group. He said it was overwhelmingly obvious to people that surveillance not only will result in dull and unambitious teaching, but also carries deeply unpleasant reminiscences of totalitarian practice. Uh, uh, and, and basically I, I was having a, a chat with my sister this morning. She trained at Lambda, um, and I trained at Doreen Bird uh, uh, drama college. Um, and it's it is it is immersive training and you do, you know, they do break you down, they do push you to your limits. Um, however, n- neither of us uh, ever witnessed any racism at all. Um, and in fact, David O, um, a very famous Hollywood actor now, was in my sister's year at um, at Lambda. And he was treated like the star that he is. Um, there was no racism, racism at all towards him. Um, and this is absolutely absurd that we are going to be detailing our teachers like this. Um, no, nobody's going to want to teach anymore. Um, and I spoke to a teacher literally on Friday who has just left mainstream secondary school teaching um, she teaches classics, and uh, one one of the reasons she left is because she actually is so trapped; she cannot teach freely at all. Um, a group of her students, very um, uh, troubled students, actually, shall we say, found the text that they were studying quite difficult, and so she thought, "Okay, we'll make this more interesting." Um, and part of the text was about this ancient tradition of hanging little purses around newborn babies' necks with little um, uh, symbols of prosperity and growth in them, like an acorn. And so she gave them the task of creating their own. Uh, Maybe it was for themselves or for somebody else that they loved dearly and to write about it. And one student that she has particularly not had a great time at school um, wrote the most beautiful piece of writing. And she did a massive display and it was taken down because it didn't follow Ofsted and um, curriculum uh, rules. So that's where we're at now. You can't teach freely um, as a as a as a as a teacher. and it's it's horrendous, really that this yep. is being yep. imposed.
1: Yep.
0: well we're 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 describing now very freely on the UK column news editions as they come up. Uh, this is an Orwellian state which is imposing itself with the surveillance. and of course for the gay community, the the big thing to understand, is that having created the movements themselves, they're now being turned on each other because ultimately nobody is to have any companionship or support, whether it's inside the family or with some like-minded group. Mm -hmm. This is planned and orchestrated. And I'm just going to say that Rishi Sunak may not be our favourite man, but he's asked some questions and we should absolutely be thinking about what he is pointing at. But meanwhile, we won't get much out of the BBC on climate change. I couldn't resist this headline that w- was there over the weekend Climate Change Russia Burns Off Gas as Europe's Energy Bills Rocket. So, those nasty uh, Russians have been, well, what have they been doing? There, there it is, there's the gas flare. It says, While burning off gas is common at processing plants, normally done for technical or safety reasons, The scale of this burn has confounded experts. I've never seen an LNG plant flare so much, said Dr. Jessica McCarthy, an expert on satellite data from Miami University uh, in Ohio. So there's those nasty Russians. They're daring to burn off the gas. They're destroying the climate. But I did manage to find this one. Uh, which is the Guardian and a very long article saying that Britain's oil and gas rigs were the most polluting in the North Sea. And of course, what's going on here is that the rigs are burning off the uh, excess gas, wasting it, heating the planet, lots of smoke. Uh, But apparently it's okay for UK, but not for those nasty, nasty Russians. Russians, Yes. Okay, a couple of uh, final slides, David. Let's uh, start with this one.
2: Yes, in honour of the FBI's investigation into Donald Trump, here we've got Homer Simpson uh, and asking a question, or, or stating, when somebody asks me why I don't trust government, and he's holding up his answer, but it's all redacted. I thought that was quite nice. And uh, even better here, we've got a, a woman wanting a lie and says to her husband, honey, please wake up our son. And he goes and grabs the kid by the neck and says... Government is an outdated structure built on coercion, theft and violence and will never be fixed by voting in the right people, not ever. So I'm sure the sun was well woken up there. And I like that even more.
1: Yeah, and uh, last couple from uh, Kitty Jo.
6: Um, Yes, so I I liked this one especially because I'm not a huge fan of technology. Um, Anyway, and so, um, yeah, we bring you... um, a connection to the modern world, and next month we'll be back with antidepressants. Um, Unfortunately, I do think that that, you know, know, technology does have a lot to answer for. Uh,
1: Okay, and uh, finally?
6: And yes, um, we all know too well uh, what it's like to be banned on the uh, social media platforms, and I just love this one. And ye shall know the truth, and Twitter shall ban you for it. Yeah,
0: that's a... a pretty accurate one thank you very much katie joe well we're going to say as always a big thank you to all our supporters wherever you are in the world uk or overseas thank you for your help because without your financial help we can't do uh, what we're doing if you know somebody who you think would be an ideal um, viewer of uk column and would also like to assist see if you can encourage them on board that would be great uh, but otherwise share the material because every time we put a news out, the aim is to get that material uh, far and wide. And uh, we just add no extra time today, uh, but stay with us because we will be playing out the interview with uh, Dr. Christian Buckland about uh, applied political psychology.